Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com. It is November 22nd. It's time for the 47th edition of The List and your boy. We have a lot on this show. You're going to hear from Hangman Page, a Bullet Club, Sanjay Dutt. The big four pay-per-views are now the big five. And we're not taking a break Thanksgiving week either. Uh, we have the MMA Industry Podcast tomorrow. James Lynch talking to Showdown Joe. And if you register at Fightful.com, you will get a Fightful Booksit podcast where I talk about changes I would make to the Royal Rumble. That goes up tomorrow evening. But today, right here, I am joined by the million-dollar van, Jimmy Van. When did you come up with that? When did you come up I with didn't. that one? One of our YouTube commenters <laughs> did. I was going to say, that was not on the fly. You had that ready to go in the back of your head. I can oh, always yeah, tell. Definitely. Yeah, I that's had... that's great. So, uh, first and foremost, I want to do a contest. I told Sean this, this funny little story. I, uh, anybody that collects action figures, uh, there's a line, what's it called, Sean? Legends of Wrestling, I think. Something it's, like that. It's an independent line, and they made uh, figures like Bruno Sammartino and whatnot. And a while back off eBay, I bought a Bruno Sammartino signed, whatever it is, Legends of Wrestling figure. The guy threw in for free a, <laughs> a signed Ric Flair Jack Specific figure. If you're uh, listening to this on the audio and not watching the video, you can't see this, but on video you can see it. This is it right here. What's funny about this is that Ric Flair made it out to John. So clearly whoever got this thing, his name was John. Well, well listen, if your name is Jones, if your name is Joni, if it's Jenny, you, you can just say that it's you could whatever. You could. So I'm going to give this away in a contest, a signed Jack-specific Ric Flair action figure made out to John. Uh, so, Sean, you can figure out the contest you want to do, and then uh, we'll give that away. So there's yeah, that. it'll it'll likely be something forum related. Uh, I yeah. love getting people signed up for those forums. 
love interacting with people on those forums. I was half expecting you to try to give away James Ellsworth, and I'm like, come on now. He's had a rough rough couple weeks. That's vintage. That's same with me. Oh, yeah. That's a vintage. That's a one-of-a-kind cutout, Sean. He's still not able to do interviews, which makes me sad. Oh, whatever. So the other thing I want to talk about before we get started, uh, I understand that Sean Ross Sapp has been accused of being a racist. (laughs) God. And let me tell you, Sean... Part of me, part of me, deep down in my gut, I knew it, Sean. I knew it. <laughs> I, I was telling, I was telling Nigel off air. My Native American grandmother is going to be so pissed off to hear that I'm a racist. It's going to make for an awkward Thanksgiving. Um, my br- my brown wife is never going to want to talk to you again. I know, right? Oh my god! So you're yeah, racist, Naomi- and also Canadian. I heard you're accusing me of Canadian. So I, I, I'll give you all the run. I don't want to clown the guy too bad because, like I told you, I think there's probably some mental health issue going on there. But I said that the Naomi promo was bad, and this dude went to the trouble of emailing the site saying that I target people of color. And yeah. I was like, nah, man, I don't discriminate. I make fun of everybody on this show. Yes, you do. <laughs> I make fun of Baron Corbin re-asking questions. I make fun of Shane McMahon cutting promos and saying, what's up, Houston? <laughs> like he's having a seizure into the microphone uh-huh. but I kind of drew the guy out on Twitter I was like it's got to be one of our followers mm. and it's a guy who is pretending that he is Naomi's brother-in-law Ah, and I, I think he might be pretending he's Samoan too because I don't think he's Samoan <laughs> if he's pretending to be your brother-in-law he'd be one of the users yeah and then he then he targeted like he would refer to the wrestlers by their real first names and I was like Bro, I don't even know their first names, and nor do I care. And he was like, that's my sister-in-law. And I said, hey, bro, I don't care if it's your mom. If she cuts a bad promo on SmackDown Live, it's going to be talked about on the show. I'd like to know how the Usos have time to be trolling you when they're at the building in Houston doing a SmackDown taping. Yeah, man. That's impossible. It was, it was bad. Like, it got real bad. The guy created <laughs> something like 20 to 2 dozen fake YouTube accounts. And they would comment minute after minute after minute. So, you know, you know it's the same guy. Little does he know, all those comments actually help us, uh, help us with the YouTube algorithm. So, We've talked about it before, man. People have so much time on their hands these days. People are so yeah. easily offended these days. This is the world we live in. Nigel knows this from TrigTent.com. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. Not that I'm going to turn this into a political podcast. But I get irritated. <laughs> I get irritated by the fact that people are so easily offended and one of the knocks on the internet, so obviously if it wasn't for the internet, we wouldn't have Fightful.com, so you can't knock it too hard. But one of the knocks about the internet is that it's given people a voice and it's given people a means to vent about how offended they are and oh, all yeah. of that. And that's been one irritating thing. There's a, I know you heard about this, Nigel, because I yeah. found the story yesterday. There's a guy by the name of Harry Kondabolu, and he's an Indian-American comedian. Although I don't know how funny he is, but he's an Indian-American comedian, and he created a documentary called The Problem with Apu. And can you believe that this guy created a documentary where he's claiming that The Simpsons created a character named Apu who is a stereotype, Sean? And I, I saw this story and thought, that's the point, Nigel. Yeah. It's been 30 years, man, and that's the point. Yeah. And he, he was quoted in a media interview saying, I would like the, the producers of The Simpsons to be more cognizant of the stereotypes on the show. That's the show, Sean! We, we need a segment on this show, a political segment, that we call This Isn't a Political Podcast. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> because when I, heard, when I heard that you were now a racist, Sean... Oh, 
when I when I heard that, I thought to myself, I got to tell him the story about this idiot that created Our, the documentary called The Problem with Apu. Our who lead clearly, boxing writer is Hispanic, for the love of God. There you go. There you go. You don't like him either. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Yeah, that one, that one was something. I said that Naomi and Ember Moon would have a terrible promo face-to-face, and they, they would. Hey, Ember Moon's fire in the ring, but the promo wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be Naomi. good if it were Dana Brooke either, but I'm talking about a prominent name that could get called up in the future, but there, there are plenty of call-ups to talk about. Actual important stuff to talk about. You know something? Naomi is a terrible promo. I don't care if she's black, white, red, or yellow. She's just a terrible promo. Yeah. And I saw the SmackDown promo when she's talking to the makeup stylist, and she's throwing in all the buzzwords that they tell her to throw in. It you doesn't know? help. Uh, it's just, it's, this is the problem today with a lot of this talent. We've talked about this before, about how they don't know how to do bullets anymore. They're, they're scripted yeah. word for word, and they don't know how to do bullets and kind of improvise, and it makes for horrible television. Uh, but we'll get to that. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, James Harris, better known as Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Have you ever heard of a wrestler named Uga- uh, Kamala? No. Okay. I didn't know he had. So he, uh, he's, he's a, uh, I guess you could call him a legend in the business, right, Sean? I'd call him a legend in the yeah, business, right? Yeah, I would. Yes. So his stepdaughter is a woman named Juanita James. She posted on Facebook on Sunday the 19th that Kamala had emergency surgery in Mississippi. Didn't know if, the, if he was going to survive the surgery. He did. He was on life support. Uh, Coco Beware was visiting him in his hospital room in Mississippi. And most recently, she posted last night, which would be uh, November 21st. He's doing better. He's off the ventilator. He, he isn't talking, but he's alert. Uh, so I wanted to give a shout-out to him. It's, uh, it's one of those great but sad stories. It's a guy who uh, was from small-town Mississippi, a giant, physically giant human being, uh, who showed up at a show, Jerry Lawler met him, came up with Kamala, this character, for him. He became a, a worldwide sensation. Uh, and in, in uh, recent years, he struggled because he had both legs amputated due to diabetes, and he's been living off disability. So uh, kind of a, almost a rags to riches to rags kind of sort of story for him. Glad to hear he's doing better. He's one of those guys, again, you don't hear a lot of negativity about Kamala. I know that he's, no. been, I know he's been bitter about the business, and I've seen videos of him talking about how he was allegedly screwed out of money by Vince McMahon and whatnot. But you don't hear a lot of people talk shit about Kamala, aside from the Andre the Giant gun story. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I have. The thing about Kamala is if he had all of his health about him, he could still run his gimmick doing what he's doing on the independent circuit today. He was doing he it. He was. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He didn't need to be in shape. Right. He never had the outstanding wrestling ability. He was Kamala. He painted himself up. That's right. He worked stuff. He, he did it well. He could, he could play intimidating when he needed to. He could play sympathetic when he needed to. Yep. Because it was all a part of the, the character. And That's true. I, I, just, I hope things hope things get better for him also kind of a bit of a big coincidence uh you know there's a united states senator in california whose name is kamala harris yes i have yeah. heard yes i'm familiar kind of what a coincidence that is oh that was intentional they named her after that oh she <laughs> kamala was kamala they were was like they were big fans years. they were big fans yeah kamala was 15 when she was born uh they 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 had foresight they had foresight yeah <laughs> that's what it was uh, let's talk about the Survivor Series quickly. So, I, uh, I I told Sean I didn't get to watch the Survivor Series live as it happened. I had to backtrack, which I normally do to do having two little kids. I loved the Brock Lesnar AJ Styles match. That was my favorite match on the show. 
I loved it. I questioned going in. I realize AJ is a is a very competent wrestler, but I questioned going in. How are they going to make him look competitive against a, a ginormous monster like Brock Lesnar? By the end of it, not only did he look competitive, but he almost won the match. Uh, I love that match. I love Brock selling for AJ in that match. Apparently, he was even selling backstage afterwards, which shows that Brock had a lot of respect for AJ. And I, I loved it. I, I loved the uh, the whole thing. I loved the, the counter to the calf crusher, Sean. Do you remember that? When he grabbed his head and just started going into the mat like that? It was that? great. It was one of my favorite parts loved of the it. match. Oh, I loved it. Do you remember Gary Goodridge with the elbows? Yeah. That's what I thought of. Crucifix elbows, I do. That's what I thought of. And, and anybody that's not a UFC fan, uh, go on YouTube, look up the name Gary Goodridge, because guaranteed it'll come up. He was on the mat with the guy in a crucifix, and he elbowed him repeatedly in the head until he knocked him out legitimately in an MMA fight. And that's what I thought of when I saw Brock's thing. Now, I want to talk to you about the main event of uh, Survivor Series, the five-on-five men's match. Um, sure. You and I spoke about this a little bit yesterday, about how it was a little confusing. You forgot that Hunter and Shane even had a, even had a history. I was explaining mm-hmm. to you how they were feeding off the real-life backstage you know, situation with those guys. Um, I like the fact that we saw some unique pairings in the matchup. Like, I like that we saw Shinsuke and Finn Balor, and we saw Hunter and Bobby Roode and all that. That was all cool, and I liked all that. But there were parts that made me kind of question things. First and foremost, John Cena. Why on earth did they bring John Cena back? Uh, first time back in whatever it had been, a couple of months. To have him essentially be an afterthought, and uh, who pinned him? Uh, Kurt did, after, after the uh, angle slam, Finn Balor with the assist with a coup de grace. Why bring Cena back at all if you're just going to waste him and have him just, you know, get eliminated and it's very quietly done? And do you think that they were that concerned about selling the show because of network churn? Do you think that's why it was? Yeah, just another marquee name. Why not? But it was odd. I thought that match was overbooked shit. I really thought it was overbooked shit. At the beginning, I I was like, how many face-offs are you going to do? I get it. I was told they were using it to gauge potential matchups down the line but if that's the case then <laughs> then then Tamina and Nia are going to headline Mania yeah I know, and I know. Uh, Nia or Tamina seems to think so did you see that yeah I did Ooh, I was boy. I wasn't even going to mention it because I just didn't think it was even necessary but Alex already tore it to shreds on off track go read it at fightful.com you guys yeah, yeah. I thought it was a lot of overbooked crap uh, I don't think uh, I I don't know I, I just thought it was Man, it was just really overbooked. That's, that's that's about all I can say is. And you had Michael Cole out there saying, "Here comes Shin," and I was like, <laughs> "Shut the hell up!" Because over the last several weeks, I've actually enjoyed he Booker T and Corey Graves to a degree because Booker T takes them out of their comfort level so frequently right. that it makes me kind of enjoy it. Right, right. I mean, I I, I, I like the match. match. I like the match until Randy Orton was eliminated. Because when Randy Orton was eliminated and it was down to Shane as the last guy on his team, that's when I thought things got a little wacky. I mean, first off, Shane McMahon was outside the ring for like three, four minutes, no count out. I think at one point he used a steel chair, no disqualification. The other thing that I kind of questioned about it was, um, aside from Braun, and I love that they protected Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman next year should be his year, and I'm glad they protected him. But they really protected Hunter. Not only did they really protect Hunter... They essentially established programs in one match with Hunter Kurt Angle, Hunter Shane McMahon, and Hunter Braun Strowman. Plus on Raw, they essentially established a program with Hunter Jason Jordan. That means a guy that wrestles part-time, less than Brock Lesnar, 
right? They've established four programs for him. And he, and he's a part-timer that barely ever wrestles. I question that. I question why they were putting so much focus on him. Uh, but then at the same time, I love the way that Hunter interacted with Braun and, and the way that he showed that fear with Braun. And did you see the, uh, the video on Twitter when Hunter was leaving and he like ran into the, the stage yeah, setup and he, and he actually sold and took a bump for it? I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. But uh, no, I don't know. I, I saw good and bad. Again, I love how they protected Braun in the match. I question why they put so much spotlight on Hunter. I know he's a McMahon, and we always talk about all oh, the only ones that get over are the McMahons. But uh, have you ever known of a situation where one guy, they potentially set up four programs simultaneously? You ever seen that? Yeah, Conor McGregor, and that's about it. Fine. In the UFC, he'll go Fine. to a press conference and set up a fight with everybody there, and that's really it. Have you ever seen a pro wrestler where they set up four programs at once? No, nah, man. Or at least four matches. Maybe not four programs, but four matches. You could say to a degree maybe they did that with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because they yeah. they got all smacked down after them, but not to that individual degree I haven't. Right, right. Because now you, it makes you, you wonder, don't. right? Like, so what are they going to oh, do? Yeah. Are they going to do Jason Jordan at the Rumble or something? Are they going to do Kurt at WrestleMania? Are they going to do Braun at WrestleMania? Are God, they going to do? A, I see a lot of good in Jason Jordan, not from a promo perspective, but gosh, he's got like such upside in the ring. When I saw him pick up Braun Strowman the other night, right? I was like, okay, damn. But he's, I think he's going to end up being good if we if they can get a Mania match out of Angle and Jordan, where Jordan finally does the turn. Right. Right. I was telling they need a Mari Povich cameo for that. That's actually not a bad that's actually not a bad idea, Sean. Yeah. Not a bad idea. Man, like every quarter you come up with a dinger, man. That's not bad. Hey, you know what's also not a bad idea? And since Braun Strowman is going to be doing these reads for WWE soon, I'll do it as Braun Strowman. Through Friday, you can head over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash fightful. And use the code Black Friday and get 20% off your Fightful Tees. You think he's going to be doing that stuff? Oh, hell yeah. In, like, no time he's going to be, like, friendly, affordable, wireless. We'll pay off the <laughs> old bill to get you away from AT&T. Come to Cricket Wireless. It's happening. Huh. It's happening. <laughs> you think he's going to be promoting like Sonic Shakes and shit? The be doing like the Overture Three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so so terrible if they do that. Were you? Oh, I, were I you, can't wait, man. I can't wait. When did you become a wrestling fan? Do you remember how old you were? I was about four and a half, five years old, and I remember in my brain, and I've. I've me and David Bixon's band have pinpointed the match, but I remember seeing Ric Flair, bloody, climbing a cage, and somebody with face paint with him. Either it was Great Muda or one of the Road Warriors. Okay. Oh, so this is even before Sting. No, it was – I think it was a replay of an old oh, yeah. type of thing on, like, TBS or something. But that's the first image I remember was seeing Ric Flair climbing a cage, and he was bleeding. Okay. And that was my first introduction. So can you believe – that the Survivor Series this year marked the 21st anniversary of The Rock's debut in WWE. 21st. Nuts, I, I remember when it happened. I remember when it happened. 21st. I remember watching him with the Jerry Curl and the uh, 
the stupid you? thing he Did wore. Did you have a jerry curl? Yeah, I had a jerry curl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember watching him, and I remember Jim Ross saying, there's the blue chipper right there. He's going to be the guy yeah. right there. And I saw a guy with a jerry curl, and I was like, that's going to be the guy? That guy? We should have we done this like, like Dave Chappelle. Like the Rick James stories where it flashed back and you see Charlie Murphy dancing with a jerry curl. We should have had a flashback of <laughs> you watching in Canada with right. your jerry curl. Like, that's yeah. Blue Chipper right there. Right there. <laughs> that's another thing. The dude who trolled us said I was a stupid Canuck. Yeah, yeah. Which is I'm amazing. Like, I'm sitting there like, I wish, buddy. I've tried. Well, let, me, tried. let me tell you. This, this is a multicultural country. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure there's some Kentuckians kicking around that claim to be Canadian. So you wouldn't be the first. But uh, I don't know. The other thing I found interesting, so I went back and I watched that match with The Rock from 21 years ago. And wasn't it interesting that the guys in the match with them included Goldust and Triple H, who are two guys on the opposing team. Jerry Lawler was on the opposing team. Crush, who has since passed, was on the opposing team. Then alongside The Rock was Mark Merrow, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Barry Windham. And Goldust is still there. The stalker, right? Goldust is still there. Triple H is still there. Jerry Lawler is still there in an announcing capacity. How interesting was that? And and The Rock won the match by eliminating Goldust in the end, too. Here's another one. Sable's still kind of connected to the company because her husband's there. but That's true, too. That's to, true a, too. to a lesser degree. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about AJ Styles. He turned 40 years old uh, this past June. And uh, prior to Survivor Series, he was interviewed by 97.9 The Box Radio out of Houston. He hinted that he's looking to wrap things up within the next couple of years. And uh, here's a quote from him. He said, uh, he was talking about his children and about, you know, when they want to get into extracurricular activities. He said, work hard now, enjoy it later. In a couple of years, I'll be able to catch every football game, every baseball game, every basketball game, cheerleading, gymnastics, whatever they're in. So uh, isn't it unfortunate that it, it took until now for him to get to the company? He's having a phenomenal run, no pun intended. And just had the great match with Brock Lesnar. And now he might wrap it up inside of a couple of years, Sean. Yeah, he might. But, you know, as Shawn Michaels thought that too, I don't think he ever – I don't think Shawn Michaels ever expected his last run to be like seven years long. Now, granted, he barely wrestled for a couple of those. He took some really extended extended breaks. But right. how old was Shawn Michaels when he retired, when he hung it up? I think mid-40s. He was almost 45. He was about yeah. to turn 45 that year. Yeah. and. I get the feeling that AJ is in better physical – like he didn't have that back injury that Shawn Michaels had. Right. And that was that was a rough one for, for HBK. But I, I think we'll see him around a little bit longer. And if not, then we'll see him pop in and do a match here and there Tommy because, Tommy. you know, they love their celebrity matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. On a side note, uh, I want to say one thing about uh, AJ from SmackDown this week. Uh, Jinder Mahal was on the big screen cutting his really typical cheesy... AJ, I'm up here! <laughs> but he was cutting his very typical cheesy 80s promo, just a really you know poorly done promo. And uh, and he made a reference to, if, you know, if I had to fought Brock Lesnar, I would have beat him, and I would have been the Beastmaster. And AJ actually said, do you realize how stupid you sound when he said that? And I love that somebody called him out for that bullshit, because it is bullshit, and I wish WWE recognized that it was bullshit. So Yeah. Kudos to AJ. Um, Clash of Champions, it's going to be December 17 at the TD Garden uh, Arena in Boston, and it looks like Jinder and AJ in a rematch. Do you think that Clash of Champions, because you've got to understand Clash of Champions takes place after the India show, right? Uh, meaning that Jinder in the main event with Triple H at the India show could promote 
his rematch with AJ Styles. Do you think Clash of Champions is going to mark the end of Jinder Mahal in the main event? I hope so. I do think so. I think that's a smart move to make. They already sacrificed enough time. They saw nothing. They saw it's official now. Like there, there are things we can point to and say this didn't work, and that is the fact that they had to cancel an India show. It didn't work. No, now I, I wouldn't put the whole thing on gender. That's a lot of pressure to put just on gender. Well, it's but. it's not his. He can't come. He can't single handedly turn the market no, around. No. Like and in in six months, that's real hard to do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I it's no. Like I'm, I don't want to like put it all on him. It's not the WWE had this idea and it just didn't work. I think it is reflective of their ability to draw money in India, the fact that they yeah. cut it down from two shows to one because they talked about it how the the market is just accustomed to getting things for free. And Sanjay Sanjay Dutt said that on on this podcast a couple of uh, like about a month ago. We'll hear from him again later, but right, yeah. He said he was like that's an uphill battle and he was there. They went and did Rinka King there. He yep. experienced it. He saw it firsthand. Right, right. I want to talk about something that is not getting a ton of press, but I think it could have big ramifications. Uh, so when I heard this story, I thought I was interested in it. Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that WWE is in talks with Facebook uh, about producing a weekly show on a test run on Facebook Live, which is Facebook's streaming service. And if the deal is finalized, it will tentatively premiere in January on Tuesdays after SmackDown goes off the air. And then they'll move 205 Live to pre-SmackDown, and they'll tape it before SmackDown takes place. Um, they're also looking at potentially doing a co-branded show featuring mixed tag team matches. And they trademark the, uh, the term WWE Mixed Match Challenge, which could be for that show. Here's where I found this interesting, that they're doing this, or potentially doing this, since they haven't signed the deal yet. We know that WWE's contract with USA expires in 2019. We know that they are uh, already negotiating with USA. They plan to announce a new contract next year with whoever, whether it be USA or whether it be with somebody else. Uh, and we've seen how the market is changing now because of streaming services, right? You see Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, they are upping their budgets with respect to original content. Uh, and so it's not out of the realm of possibility that WWE may someday shift their content from traditional television to an online streaming service like this, especially if the demand is there. To me, it's very interesting if they do this deal, how it works out. Because uh, if it works out, this could potentially down the line equal a deal for WWE with a streaming service as opposed to traditional cable. Yeah, I hope they do a LeVar Ball show crossover because he's on Facebook right now. But is first he? off, I want to say, yeah. <laughs> For first what? off, I want to say Mixed Match Madness is a dumbass idea. I agree. I you agree. know what the show should be called? Talking Smack. That's what the show should be called. Uh -huh, Talking uh -huh. Smack. Uh -huh. They absolutely should move the filming of 205 Live before Raw. Like, why Why the hell wouldn't you? Or Smack I mean, that's that's just a money saver, for one. You don't have to fly the guys. It Not only that, I mean, it helps keep the guys off the road an extra day, too. Like, mm -hmm. why why not, man? Like, does anybody really give a damn that that 205 Live show is actually live? Are they all on the road as of Friday every week? All of them? I don't know. I, not No, not all of them. Not all of because them. Because then, then they are doing the extra day. But if they're not on the road till Saturday, then they're not. I'll find out, but... Man, somebody right. asked me to get an interview with LeVar Ball. Yeah, right. I couldn't score. I would be. I would be easier to get an interview with Ronda Rousey or Conor McGregor at this point than LeVar well, Ball. Well, Ronda Rousey, yes. Conor McGregor, 
I don't know about that one. But I agree with you about the mixed match challenge concept. Dumb because idea. because again, this to me, and maybe I'm the only one that's looking at it like this, this to me is again a potential opportunity for them to down the road cut a business deal with Facebook for rights fees, right? So yeah. when you when you want to give it your best shot, you want to maximize this opportunity, right? Yeah, so, of course. Why not? So I, I do Dip question... Dip your toes in the water. Figure it out. Yeah, I do I do question the mixed match challenge. The co-branded thing could be interesting. I could see that drawing eyeballs to see mixed matches from the two brands. But uh, mixed match well, challenge... Well, okay. So you mean like... Yeah, there... Well, there's... They talked about doing like that and some other stuff as well, but... Uh, you mean, are you talking women and men? Is that what they're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Women and men? They talked about that too, yeah. Oh, I thought we're talking like a SmackDown versus a Raw tag team match. No? Um, not from what I understand. Oh, they're talking about putting the women and the men together in a mixed tag... Mi oh, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. Who's booking this shit, Sean? Who's doing hey. it? I'm not calling them out. I don't want to be called a racist. Ed Nordholm, stay in Toronto. Stay away from WWE Facebook. All right? Uh, stay away from it. I don't need yeah. a bunch of women's and men's matches on Facebook Live. Not necessary. Yeesh. I had no idea. I thought that I thought it was going to be co-branded stuff between the two promotions. So. I don't think so. Uh, well, that's a bit of a bummer then if that's the situation. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right. Well... So how did Not you feel? How did you feel about being called a racist? <laughs> uh, well, initially it bothered me until I saw the source of the claims, uh, and I was like, I, I took one look at the timeline, waited for the tweets to roll in, and I was like, ah. And then did you say Nigel, chill out? Is that basically what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Trick tips really got to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> It yeah. changes a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, I was going to set up a beautiful segue to this Hangman page. I know you were. Uh, but Ring of Honor had a very good weekend. They had a, they did great attendance across all their shows. They had, they had Stephen Amell show up, join the Bullet Club, and take a bump through a table. And launch a pro wrestling tea store, too. That just says, I am an undefeated pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was brilliant. Uh, check out my conversation with Hangman Page. You've had a pretty crazy career trajectory over the past couple of years, especially. Uh, what's, that, what's that been like for you? I mean, it's, I don't want to say you came out of nowhere because you, you've been a part of Ring of Honor and stuff, but your profile has just shot through the roof of late. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been pretty good, man. You know, and, uh, you know, I think I've improved some maybe, but, you know, Largely, I'm doing a lot of the same things I, I have been doing, you know, this whole time, um, and just in the past year or so, really uh, picked up a lot of recognition. Um, it's been really cool, you know what I mean, to get that um, get that exposure, you know, out there. How does one prepare to do a moonsault with his hands tied? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just thought it would be cool. Uh, <laughs> I didn't prepare. It's probably the thing. I would climbed up there and realized like. This is really kind of stupid. I was wearing cowboy boots and uh, had my, you know, hands duct taped together. <laughs> so I realized it was kind of dumb when I got up there. But um, I don't know you just do it. Sometimes you just do it. So how were you brought into Ring of Honor? How did how did that situation first go down? Um, well, you know, when I was, uh, you know, I might have been 18 or 19. Um, I was, you know, I was wrestling then. I sort of was 
15 16 actually started on 16 um so at about 18 or 19 i um you know saw these advertisements for the ring of honor you know camps um and two of my friends that i had started training with the bravado brothers they had they had moved up to philadelphia and they were training you know at the school there um so I knew it was something, uh, you know, interesting, something I wanted to do, something that could help me a lot. So, you know, I, I went to one of those camps then, um, and then I went to another one about a year or so later. And I guess I had just improved upon the things that they had, you know, told me to improve upon in that year. Um, so then I, you know, started getting these dark matches and, you know, really short TV matches and stuff like that, and um, just slowly worked my way up from there, I guess. I'll kind of get get the same type of experience from you. Like, how how did you find out, or how do how did you end up in New Japan? Obviously, there's the the sister relationship, sort of, between Ring of Honor and New Japan, the working relationship. But how did you find out that that would be a thing that you'd be doing moving forward? Yeah, I had no idea um, that would that was going to be something. You know, that I was going to be doing. It was something that I I certainly hoped to do one day. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't expect to be going and doing that stuff when I ended up doing it. Um, I guess when, uh, you know, Ring of Honor decided they wanted um, Bullet Club in, in Ring of Honor, um, and, you know, they were going to have no, not a separate entity, but, you know, kind of a representation there. Um, and they had the Young Bucks and had Adam Cole, but it just three people wasn't enough. So I was kind of, you know, the fourth guy in that equation. Um, and then it just made sense. Well, all right, if he's joining Bullet Club, then he'll, he'll go to New Japan and he'll work with Bullet Club there. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. I got a phone call one night and, you know, it was that phone call was, Hey, uh, you're joining bullet club and you're uh, going to work for new Japan. Your first tour is this summer. It's three weeks, you know? So that was, it was a heck of a surprise. Um, it was a good one. At the same time that, as you mentioned, that was around the time you joined bullet club. That's gotta be just like, that's, I mean, such a shift in, in your career moving from, just not being in the Bullet Club to being in Bullet Club because we've seen the type of thing that it facilitates, like being the elite and the invasion, all that, not to mention just the demand of appearances and things like that. Like, did that increase your schedule? Did that? What kind of changes did that make when you were added into Bullet Club? Yeah, it um, it changed a lot for me, honestly. Uh, you know, I started working with New Japan, so I would have tours and stuff there, so obviously I got a bit busier there. I had never wrestled outside of the country before, other than, you know, like a trip to Toronto when we do that that for Ring of Honor. So that was uh, pretty insane for me. Um, At the time, you know, I was a high school teacher uh, living in Virginia, and I was wrestling, you know, with Ring of Honor and, you know, other indie companies and stuff just weekends. You know, I would do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and and be back home teaching on Monday. Um, And it was exhausting. So, getting to join Bullet Club, really for me, I guess in my personal life, um, that was the point at which I kind of determined, okay, you know, I'm I'm able to make enough money and I'm able to be busy enough to just wrestle as, as my career. And that's what I've been doing for the past year and a half now, I guess. All right, we're back. Ring of Honor on fire, at least this weekend. They were selling out shows and WWE wasn't the same night. NXT got beat out in attendance by Ring of Honor Friday night. That's cool. That's Did cool. that surprise you? Uh, not really. Not really. To me, I almost look at NXT and Ring of Honor slash New Japan as being almost on the same level mm-hmm. uh, right now because Ring of Honor, is obviously, they've been on fire. They've had a really good uh, year. So that doesn't surprise me all that much. Um, I want to talk to you about what happened this week on Raw and SmackDown. We'll talk first about Paige's return. 
and she brought with her uh, Mandy Rose and Sonia Deville. First, what did you think of Paige's return? Forget about the two other girls. What did you think of Paige's return? Well-timed. And I said this on the other shows. A lot of respect to her for willing herself back into WWE because I was told by people in WWE that they seemed very happy to just let her contract run out. Mm. I don't think they were going to fire her because, you know, the connotation that would have come with somebody having the type of things that happened to her over the past year mm -hmm. and then just firing them, that it looks bad on the company. But I think they would have just let her write out her contract and pay her downside guarantee, but she kept going to WWE and saying, I want to wrestle, I want to wrestle, going to the Performance Center. So I have a lot of respect to her mm -hmm. in that regard for doing that. And somebody told me how comfortable she looked on the mic. And I was like, after the last year and a half, what what is there that could shake her at this yep. point? Yeah, no, you're what, right. You've, you've had your personal videos and photos leaked. You've had an abusive relationship. From who? I don't know. From what side? Who knows? You've been suspended twice by the WWE. You've had neck surgery. Yeah. Well, like, what else can be thrown at her at this point? Now, we still have to see her in the ring. I yep. haven't seen her in the ring. It could be just a complete structure fire, as far as we know, because she's coming off neck surgery, man. That's yep. that's rough. She's definitely going to change her style. There's there, that's for sure. I thought she had a lot of poise and a lot of confidence out there. Uh, she looked very comfortable out there. The I think the crowd in Houston was getting burned out a little bit. They didn't quite respond to her maybe as as much as she wanted them to. They popped a couple times, but nothing nothing crazy. Um, what did you think about um, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville being called up and being aligned with Paige? I I like the idea. I thought it was good. They they are pretty much a blank canvas, just a clean slate. Uh, as I reported on Fightful.com, we had the exclusive details up there. Like It was a conscious decision to keep Mandy Rose off of NXT TV for several months. Like She did some enhancement matches last year. Mm -hmm. They didn't want her up there because they, they wanted that, that clean slate. They wanted that blank canvas. They knew that they were gonna, it was going to be a main roster call-up out of that. And you had a lot of people complaining about their experience level, but... Between Tough Enough and today, mm -hmm. it's about the same amount of time that Alexa Bliss sent in the Performance performance Center. They've mm -hmm. had roughly the same amount of matches. Mm -hmm. Nia Jax too, right? Nia Jax too? Yeah. Yeah. Jack, yeah. Right? Uh, now on SmackDown, uh, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, and Liv Morgan, they all debuted. It's very similar in how these debuts all went because on Raw, they interrupted the women's, uh, what was it, four-way, I think. Uh, it's supposed to be number one contender match on SmackDown. They interrupted Charlotte versus Natalia, which was the rematch for the SmackDown Women's Title. I actually saw some criticism online from people saying, "Oh, they're doing the same angle on both shows. Like that's sloppy, right?" Mm -hmm. I look at it like we need to reserve judgment because that could be intentional. Yeah, initially I thought it was very lazy writing, and then I thought about it, and I saw that side by side picture. And what said to me the most was how they posed in the ring. Right. You had the blonde on the right both times. You had the pale dark-haired girl in the middle both times. You had the brunette on the left side <laughs> each time. It looked like... Can anybody that's listening to this and not watching the video, you can't see how Sean was just using his hands on that. They had the, the brunette. <laughs> I got big-ass hands, too. <laughs> uh, Look at these alien hands I have here. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But... Uh, as, as for the call-ups, I like them. I like Sonya Deville. I've seen her live several times, and she throws some of the most convincing strikes in the company, period. Mm -hmm. 
as long as she's hitting somebody, her shadow boxing doesn't look too hot. Mandy Rose has a presence about her that I could not have understood until I saw her wrestle live. Liv Morgan, she is as main roster ready as Alexa Bliss was, in my opinion. Sarah Logan, so, uh, and I had somebody actually come at me like, why would that have cost her anything? She had a terrible match with Alexa Bliss early last year where she almost hurt Alexa Bliss. She hit, she messed up a cross body really bad, and you could tell Alexa Bliss got a little upset in the match, but I'm, I'm surprised that maybe that she got her deal as quickly after that as she did, but mm-hmm. more power to her because her promos that were unleashed on the Mae Young Classic, Road Dog saw those and was like, get her on SmackDown. Hmm. I want her on SmackDown. And that's – did you ever see her promo? I don't know if I did. She's from Kentucky. Like, she lived in Kentucky, and she talks about how she's a sustenance hunter. Like, she hunts to eat. And I'm like, shit, that's a, rest, that's a wrestling gimmick right there. And it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. I said it on the show last night. There are ten girls in my town like that, like, that legit go out and hunt their food. Like, it's a real thing. And your, I'm like, your God, neighbor, hit. your cousin, your your sister, maybe your I don't know about your mom, but my mom, I don't think she could hunt. I don't. <laughs> think. But you know, you know, they're gonna have a, like Michael Cole is gonna be calling one of her matches, and she's gonna hit the ramp. It's hunting season. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, can it's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Ruby Riot, she's ready. And Charlotte sold her finish like a million bucks. Now I couldn't help but look at all these girls on both shows i i'm still kind of uh i, I still think about the old missing man mentality because even though it might be different now when hunter's more involved and all that i still think about the old missing man mentality and i looked at those girls and i thought to myself mandy rose is going to be the one they push mm-hmm. because i thought about what missing man likes and what he looks for and it's the you know kind of voluptuous blonde type so i was like mandy rose is who he's pushing on raw and smackdown i figured Liv morgan would be the one that he pushes on smackdown but uh, now Jeff Hawkins said something on the post SmackDown podcast this week. Uh, he said that you know they're bringing up all these girls. Maybe they're going to do a women's Royal Rumble match, mm-hmm. and that's that's a possibility. The only thing I question is um, would they do it with twenty girls? Because are they going to have to? Are they going to want to have two essentially hour long matches on the Royal Rumble show? I don't know about that. I think that's going to be overkill. And I had somebody say, are you sure that you want this after that Survivor Series match? Yeah, I, I am sure that I want this because it's it's an important match. They have enough girls to do it, and they're not the same. You know, it's not five on five. It's every woman for, the, right. for herself, right. and you don't have to do that throw them through the middle rope horse shit you used to do with the old battle royals and all that stuff. The This is a different breed of athlete that, that you're seeing today as compared to 10, 15 years ago. They should have one. Whether it's on the Royal Rumble or on Raw before a Royal Rumble, right. I always thought that a Raw Rumble would make a lot of sense for TV, especially if you're doing that picture-in-picture deal like like they do on SmackDown. Like, do something with this. But how do you get you the, the opportunity. how do you get the SmackDown girls in that match if they do it on Raw? When's the 25th anniversary? Is it before or after? Uh, I'm not sure. Same, same month, but I'm not sure exactly when. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could do it then because they're going to integrate them then. But, I mean, that's just an idea I floated around. If they wanted to do it for the the actual Royal Rumble, sure, man, do it. Like, and I hate when people are like, well, the Survivor Series match was a train wreck. Yeah, it was, but in a Royal Rumble, like, it's it's almost it's like really different. Un, it's an unwritten rule, too. You don't bump until there's, like, five or less people in the ring, too, that type of thing. Right. Give it a go. See if it works. Why not? Like, where's the harm in trying? 
They could do it. I'd, I'd want them to cut down on the intervals, maybe like 60 seconds each or something like that. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, yeah, they could, they could definitely give it a shot. And I think the women deserve it. They deserve to have their own uh, Rumble match. So, uh, Hideo Itami. So I want to ask you about this one. So it was announced this week that he's headed to 205 Live. He's going to be presumably the next cruiserweight to challenge Enzo Amore. It seems like they've been doing a bit of a run with these guys coming in, challenging Enzo Amore. Um, now, to me, and tell me if you agree or disagree, I look at uh, Hideo Itami's run in WWE. To me, it's a little bit reminiscent of... You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sinkara, the original Sinkara. In that Sinkara came in, uh, the original Sinkara came in in 2011. He had been a big star in Mexico as Mystico. Uh, and his run uh, left a lot to be desired in WWE. Granted, a lot of that was on him and, and on his, uh, his mindset. But uh, Hideo Itami, he came into WWE with just as much fanfare, I think, in 2014. He was Kenta in Pro Wrestling Noah. He did a lot of stuff with Ring of Honor as well. And his run, I think, has been uh, uh, forgettable as well. But to his, I guess in his defense, he's had a lot of injury time. And he missed most of 2015 because he was injured. But uh, I just don't think that he got to where they thought he would get. Do you think 205 Live is a step down for him? Or do you think that this could be a springboard? Because it feels to me like they're just going to feed him to Enzo and do a couple-month run, and then Enzo's going to come out with a title. Like, what do you think? Uh, that's, that's what Jeff seems to think, too. And, yeah, th their runs were very similar. The Sin Cara, Hideo Itami, they came in with hype. They couldn't cut promos. Their in-ring work didn't really fit. They faced a lot of injuries. This year, though, since Hideo Tommy's been back, mm -hmm. I, I thought the match with Bobby Roode was good. The match with uh, Alistair, Alistair Black, Black was good. Yeah. So, And that, that was the best work he's done li literally in three years since he left pro wrestling Noah. I, I got to reserve judgment because we've seen guys like Elias who didn't work out on in NXT, and he's better than I could have imagined. Yeah. Like, I mean, granted, he shouldn't be in pointless stuff with Matt Hardy with no direction, but... I, I'll have to I'll have to wait and see. It's all in how they present him because maybe he's like going to show up and kick people in the head once and pin them, and right. he'll be like the monster of that division because he's been facing guys that are his size or maybe a lot bigger. So that that, that is something that I, that I got to wait and see because Enzo Amore, I, when he got put on two hundred five live, I thought could he keep up? Right, and he's made everybody look look great on that show. Oh yeah, yeah, he sells like a, like a million bucks, Enzo. Yeah, that's all he really does. He sells for a while. He hits his finisher. He pins you. That's about it. But uh, I guess we're gonna see what happens. 
Uh, let's talk about your favorite pro wrestler, Roman Reigns. So when Raw was starting on Monday and when the Shield came down uh, with the Miz in the ring, I actually thought to myself watching the Shield come to the ring, I thought to myself, Roman's taken a step back since they put him with the Shield, since they put him back with the Shield. I felt like he had taken a step back because, uh, you know, he was the top guy, the, the single star, the main eventer, now he's back in a, in a tag team. And when you know, right when I'm thinking he's taking a step back, they go and separate him again by having him win the Intercontinental title so that now they can claim he's the Grand Slam winner and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, WrestleMania 34, if plans hold up, will be his fourth WrestleMania main event in a row. His fourth WrestleMania main event in a row, Sean. Uh, what do you think? Do you, do you think they're just going to run with this train no matter what happens, because they've already decided they're going to run with this train. I think they would have if Braun Strowman wasn't there. Maybe maybe that will change things because perhaps some look at him as the guy. I, may, I, I make light of the ad reads. Mm -hmm. The guy's got a YouTube series now where he's reviewing guns, and he does it very well. I don't know if you've seen this. No, I saw him reading the children's book before. I saw that. He can do it. He can, he can do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Roman Reigns can too, though. But here's the... Jimmy, back in the day, you had The Rock and Steve Austin and The Undertaker and Triple H and Kurt Angle and Mick Foley. You didn't have – I mean, you did have a guy in Austin, mm -hmm. but you had six of them mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. You had six guys that could seemingly just transition in and out, in and out, in and out. Mm -hmm. That's just not the case anymore. You have guys that they can use, but – does Dean Ambrose fit there if they were to slide him in right now? No, I don't think he does. Right now you have, think, you have Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and John Cena, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's three it. I think three years ago they had the best chance. I thought that they could have made Reigns, Ambrose, and Rollins a smaller scale Triple H, Austin, and The Rock just because they had all of the, those question marks coming out of the shield. Once you've defined a guy so hard so right. many times, it's really hard to overcome that. And sometimes you need a break or you need – some big change. Uh, I don't know, man. They they sacrifice a lot to make the brand the attraction. I can't recall the last time. I mean, you can think of maybe the Lex Express, but I can't recall the last time that they put all their eggs in, in a basket with a guy and pushed it and pushed it and pushed it, and, and the numbers really didn't translate, and yet they just kept rolling with it. Well, they didn't do that for three years. I'll tell you that much. No, they didn't do it for three years. That's true. That's and true. Reigns is much more successful financially for them and in the ring than Lex Luger. It's just that's not the spot for him. If you want to make him like the top heel, mm -hmm. but this is the thing, Jimmy. It's it's the the Cena mentality. They're like, well, he's getting a reaction. Mm -hmm. We gotta we gotta go with it because he's getting a reaction. It's good good or bad and. Mm -hmm. If they turn him heel, it'll be the same, but I think that it makes for better programming that way. Yeah. And if the quality of your show matters at all, maybe you should follow up on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I guess we go from the bad to good now because let's talk about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And isn't it amazing that Sami Zayn was basically in obscurity and all they had to do was turn him heel and now he's found a new energy and he's, he's I think, a, a pretty genuine upper mid-card talent now. On SmackDown, I love watching Sami Zayn. I think he's funny as hell. He's so pompous and over the top. Uh, I think him and Kevin Owens are, are a great uh, pair together. I love the spot on SmackDown. So they did a lumberjack tag team match, KO and Sami Zayn against the New Day. The way they're positioning it, and I think Corey Graves used the term Shane McMahon's propaganda machine, 
because they positioned it like the whole SmackDown roster is turning on KO and Sammy because they believe that KO and Sammy turned on them with the Survivor yeah. Series. Uh, I loved how they did the spot where Sammy threw Kofi Kingston outside. Kofi gets up, he looks around, all the lumberjacks are standing there, and all of them basically just say, oh, help, go back in the ring, and we're not going to touch you kind of thing. Sammy goes out to get Kofi, and everybody jumps him. I just, I, I just, I really like, I like what they're doing with those guys. I really enjoy it. You know, where do you think it's going to go? They're teasing a move to Raw, which is not going to happen. But uh, where do you think they're going to go with this? Because the only place to go right now would be another match with Shane, which we've already seen, right? Where does it go ultimately? Kevin yeah. Owens turns on Sami Zayn. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, eventually. Really? I hope they get a run as tag champs. That would be cool. That's probably where they're headed short term. I think it yeah. should be like. Yeah. That tag team division can get cooking real quick. If you have Gable and Gable and Benjamin, the Usos, the Bludgeon Brothers, and then KO and Sami Zayn, that's a pretty good four-team situation yeah, to have yeah. right there to, to build around. And then, like to me, they I always saw them. Which when I saw them, I thought they would t- be become tag champions and like Kevin Owens, like regretfully team with Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Like just that's the only guy he could find and. I, I did see Sami Zayn maybe being as sarcastic at this as this, but to annoy Kevin Owens. Eventually, Kevin Owens is going to get tired of him. But yeah, it looks like Randy Orton is the program, and I still haven't decided if I'm going to SmackDown next week in Lexington. But that's the match they're doing there. And if anybody yeah. can get, make me care about Randy Orton, it's Kevin Owens. Yep, yep. And I mean, the the only outcome that makes any sense is KO winning due to Sami Zayn interference. So Randy Orton winning, how does that help anybody at all, right? So. I guess see what happens. I don't know. I continue to love Kevin Owens, and now I'm loving Sami Zayn, too. He's just such a smug, pompous jackass with his little dance in the ring. I just dig it. It's like great. It. It's yeah. great. He did, he did the sarcastic shadow boxing last night, yeah, which yeah. I thought was hilarious. Yeah, he's awesome. Leave it to the Canadians to put on a good show. And you would you know because... You no argument with me out of this. Well, I was going to say, you are a proud Canuck, so you would know this now. <laughs> yeah. Now, Joe, let's go to Stupid People. You got it. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay, first and foremost, one of our listeners loves this plug. <laughs> Trevor Strong, trevorstrong.org, usage of the stupid song, check him out. Uh, also, every now and then I like to explain why the hell we do this segment for anybody that's a new listener. We used to do a weekly segment called WWE's Weekly Excessive Usage of Stupid Nicknames because they use them so often. It ran its course because they'll never stop. And so we segued into the Stupid People News uh, segment every week. That's why we do it. Yes, it's not related to pro wrestling. And no, we don't care. We're a variety show, damn it. Well, we, in some ways we are. Now... I got some good ones this week, Sean. I say that every week because, dude, there are a lot of stupid fucking people that do a lot of stupid fucking things. Yeah. All right? <laughs> Finding stories for this segment is easy as pie every week, Sean. <laughs> easy as pie. Because there are a lot of them. This first one, I want to see the look on Sean Rossap's face when I, when, he, when I tell you this first one. All right? Okay. It was reported on November 20th by a site called pizzabottle.com. <laughs> Great that name. Charles Manson... He died last Sunday at the age of 83. Um, of course, he, he was the, the cult leader. The Manson family orchestrated a bunch of murders of a bunch of people, including Sharon Tate, who was a pregnant actress at the time in 1969. He spent 50 years in prison, died at 83. After he died, okay, quote, R.I.P. Charles Manson. Okay, R.I.P. Charles Manson mm. trended on Twitter. 
Okay, I think it was number one worldwide for a little while. Trended on Twitter. Why did it trend on Twitter, Sean? Nigel, why did it trend on Twitter? Because thousands of people thought Marilyn Manson had died. Oh, God damn. Thousands of people heard Charles Manson passed away and they thought it was Marilyn Manson. <laughs> isn't that just, just... God damn. Isn't that just indicative of society today? Isn't it? And I don't want to rip on millennials, but let's be serious. I bet you I could go out and find a tweet where somebody says that Charles Manson was a better songwriter than Marilyn Manson, though. Guarantee you I can find that tweet. Maybe you could. Maybe you could. But that's what happened. So R.I.P. Charles Manson actually trended because they thought it was Marilyn Manson, which is just so indicative of, of the world we live in today. This next one, Sean, the person in this story might have been one of the people that tweeted R.I.P. Charles Manson. Good possibility. Uh, this, this was reported by the Daily Mail on November 17. There's a university student in Glasgow, Scotland named Josh Moody. And I actually, I always look Name these, rhymes with duty. <laughs> I always oh, look Jeff. these guys up. I always look these guys up to make sure that they're legitimate. And so if you look up his Twitter account, which is at underscore JMDY, you can find that this really did happen. Uh, he posted a conversation, a screenshot of a conversation on Twitter between himself and his flatmate. Okay. His flatmate is a girl named Megan Ellis. She had been complaining to him that she's cold all the time. So he got her a hot water bottle, right? And this is the conversation that he posted on his Twitter account. She said to him, the hot water bottle you gave me doesn't work. I put water into it like two hours ago and it's still oh, not shit. heated up. And still not heated up. Oh my God. She said to, he said to her, did you heat the water up before you put it in? And she responded, I thought that was the bottle's job. <laughs> Damn. Damn. How do you... How does this person function in everyday life is what I want to also shout out to the I am Rappaport podcast that name rhymes at duty was a reference to that. But there you go. Uh, uh, so I'm, I bet you that on Sunday night she tweeted R.I.P. Charles Manson. Oh, yeah. Thinking, oh, I love his music. I yeah, love his music. Jumping on the bandwagon. So last but not least is reported by the New York Daily News on November 14. A 40 year old woman from Staten Island named Lori Gallo Bavard called 911 after discovering that her husband had overdosed on heroin in their home. When the police and the medics showed up, she realized that they still had a heroin stash in the house and she was worried that they were gonna find it. There were three packets of heroin. She grabbed the packets, she rushed to the bathroom. The medics were working on her husband while this is going on. Rushed to the bathroom, she flushed, she flushed two of the packets down the toilet, and then for whatever reason, decided, you know what, I'm gonna snort the third one right now. Oh, God. And she did, and she fell unconscious, and because the medics were already there working on her husband, who survived, because the medics were already there, they were able to revive her too. R.I.P. Charles Manson. R.I.P. Charles Manson. Dumb luck. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Isn't that amazing? She was on the right track when she was flushing them, right? She was on the right track. But I, I got to be honest. I mean, I suppose. You know what we call that here? Uh, the we, average... call that a, we call that a Wednesday. A Wednesday? Okay. We okay. call that a Wednesday yeah. here in Kentucky. What would make her decide, I'm going to go ahead and, and snort this third bag right now? Medics were already there. I guess it was the Medics safest were... time to do that. Yeah. I guess it was. I guess it <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, it was. It was low risk, high reward. And it was, it was <laughs> <all the dice. laughs> 
<laughs> I guess so. She had to roll the dice and hope that she got seven. <laughs> I guess so. And she, oh, she rolled the dice all right. So she yeah. Died? She lived. No, they both lived. Oh, okay. They both made it. So good for both of them. Um, let's talk about Finn Balor. Yeah, sure. So uh, in the past, we've talked on this podcast about people like. I feel like we've been a little repetitive, but we talked about people like Bailey. We've talked about people like Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, and I have said, even though you know there have been some people that are critics of those those wrestlers that will say, well, Bailey's not getting over because she hasn't been able to adapt to the main roster, and because she hasn't taken advantage of the promo time she's given, and because of this, because of this, Shinsuke Nakamura, you hear the same criticism. Well, he's not always motivated in his matches, and blah 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 blah. And I have always believed that they were made people in NXT. And they have, I'm not going to say fail, but they have floundered on the main roster because of how they've been booked. Bailey was putting everybody over almost from the time she started. Shinsuke Nakamura put over Jinder Mahal twice on back-to-back pay-per-views. And I believe that, that uh, contributed to where they are on the roster. Finn Balor, last, this past Monday on Raw, he lost to Samoa Joe. He passed out to the uh, Coquina Clutch. And Dave Meltzer reported that he had been booked to face Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. But to Vince McMahon has changed his mind and he has pulled Finn Balor out of the match because Vince allegedly feels that Balor isn't over. So and, I asked I asked about that. There, they said people I talked to said there weren't really any plans for Balor and oh, there weren't. WrestleMania. Yeah, or not WrestleMania. Uh, the Royal Royal Rumble. Rumble. There weren't. Yeah, there there weren't. But you know, it's funny, Jimmy, because I about six months ago I saw him as just as bland as possible and recently he's I thought he's been on fire in the ring like mm. he's had some really good matches and before that I didn't think he was and of course now it's like they think that he's he's bland and well yeah you put him in that feud with Bray Wyatt Bray exactly. Wyatt who now you can't even get on TV like that is that is that is a couple of wastes just monumental wastes that they well, they, they've got something. They've got their the creepy angle, so we can just rely on that and just do whatever, and people will eat it up. No, they won't. They'll think that it sucks. Right, right. When they he... got to do a hard reset on Bray Wyatt, and if I were Finn Balor, just start, I'd just start finding a more economical way of doing that pain all the time. When he beat Seth Rollins for the Universal title at SummerSlam, I think, 20, 2016, right? Uh he had momentum. He was over, and he had momentum. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, he got hurt, and he was out for who knows how many months, months it was. But since he came back, and you just alluded to it, he was in a, a multi-pay-per-view program with Bray Wyatt. They had the match on Raw when Bray pinned him clean, then dumped fake blood on him. Finn is cowering on the mat like a frightened deer. Then after that, he uh, is... is uh, pinned clean by Kane on Raw after TLC because they're trying to build Kane up for for Braun Strowman. So Finn Balor loses clean to, clean as a sheet to him. How do they expect this guy to get over when you're booking him like that? You can't say, oh, Finn's not over because he's not motivated. He's not over because uh, he doesn't capitalize on his promo time. He's not over because whatever. He's not over because of the way you're booking him. And it's yep. it's, it's as simple as that. You get to write the results of the show. There like, you go. There you go. It's so crazy, man. How it's not like you UFC, build, right? It's not like UFC. How you have this this world platform. Yep. And like who you decide is over by and large is. Right. And you can't come up with interesting stuff. I, I don't get it. Don't it's get a it. shame. I, I used to look at Finn Balor as, as, and I've talked about it. He was kind of like this generation's great Muda to me in that sometimes he was himself, sometimes he had the paint. 
Uh, and he could still be. I mean, it's very easy for them to uh, to uh, kind of fix the problem with him if they book him correctly. But it's just a shame that he's uh, in the spot that he's in now, you know? Yeah, I agree, because his, his matches in the ring have been very, very good of late. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you, you, you touched upon this uh, earlier. What do you think of the Bludgeon Brothers on, on SmackDown this week? They looked like foot soldiers from the Ninja Turtles movies. And they don't have first names anymore. They're just Harper and Rowan. I don't know what Vince's fascination is with that. With the same names, yep. It's, it's weird. Yep. It's weird, man. Yep. <laughs> uh, they were fine. They delivered a really good ass kicking. Their finish was cool. Sure. I couldn't help but notice that Rowan was wearing a girdle with a big B on it. Did you notice that? I didn't. He's got a girdle over his gut, and it's got a big B on it because they want to make sure they drive home the point that they're the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah. And uh, I was watching those guys in that gear, and for some reason, two names entered my head watching those guys. The first was Jean-Pierre Lafitte, <laughs> and the other one was Mantor. Yeah, they were bad. That's they what I bad. thought of watching. Gear. The, it, it looks like they, could, they took components from both of them and put it together to create uh, to create the Bludgeon Brothers it, uh, it's so stupid. It's a throwback to the early 90s when they were doing all these gimmicks. Harper looked in good shape, though. He looked in good shape, but holy shit, man. Like, you talk about being behind the eight ball. We talked about how Jinder was behind the eight ball when he was enhancement for eight months, trying to get over as a main eventer. How yeah. the hell is Harper going to get over dressed, as you said, a foot soldier for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and he's got gear on that's part Jean-Pierre Lafitte and part Mantor, carrying around a Thor well, hammer? maybe, maybe... Freaking Bray Wyatt comes back as Super Shredder, and they get Razor and Taka <laughs> from NXT, the Authors of Pain, and they have like a crony battle. Like there are ways to do it. I don't. They need Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt needs them. Agreed. And do you and, remember? Do you remember a few years ago after they split the first time, and then it was the Royal Rumble, whatever year that was, and the three of them were in the ring together at the Royal Rumble, and they had a little standoff, and the crowd popped because the people wanted them together. Right, yeah, and they popped for that. And WWE, of course, didn't recognize that and had them do their little, their little, you know, uh, brawling in the ring. They absolutely need to be together. They need to be. They together. do. There, there were several things that that hindered. That was stupid. They shouldn't have done that. <clears throat> Injuries just kept at one point or another. It was either one of those three guys that was out, and then like they just inexplicably like I'm, I'm, a lot of people forgive that they inexplicably put Harper and Rowan back together because. Right. It's the right move, but these guys were wrestling a few months ago. Yeah. Like, and with them, I said it before. All you had to do was have them have a hardcore match, beat the living shit out of each other, and then then just share some creepy, weird hug at the end of it. <laughs> and okay, I buy that they're back together as a team now. Yeah. I get it. That's exactly the type of thing that those two guys would have done. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked the backwoods deliverance Wyatt family the best because I, I in this day and age. It's hard to, to portray supernatural. It's hard to portray horror movie. Like the best horror movies, I think, are the ones that you think could actually happen to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I go walking in the woods behind my house, <laughs> I might run into those three guys. I don't know what's back there. Occasionally, I'll Google Earth it. What's back there? I don't know. I'll just see those three looking up at the satellite pointing or something. <laughs> Making moonshine. Now, Bray Wyatt tweeted on Tuesday night... Uh, very simple tweet. It said, come home. Yeah, you think? I so, do. Um, what they need is they need a co-branded pay-per-view when they're both, they both have reason to be there. 
And you know that this tag team gimmick, it's gonna, the fans are going to shit all over it. So after they shit all over it and after it dies a slow death, they need a co-branded pay-per-view where they can bring these guys together. And speaking of co-branded pay-per-views, uh, WWE, I think you posted this today, they yeah. are going to make Money in the Bank next year a co-branded show. I love that idea. I think it's a brilliant idea for do many you, reasons. Do you think they're going to do two ladder matches for two briefcases for the men? No, and they shouldn't. But they they also shouldn't keep up that one time a year. It's so funny that they do one time a year. SmackDown and Raw superstars go head to head in the week. Out later, they announce a co-branded show. It's got to be two. I mean, if you want to switch it up some other way and maybe throw in like a tag team Money in the Bank or something like that, like just not a bad idea. Just anything a little bit different. I'm all on board for trying different things in that regard. Like, sure, right. why not? Right. But I th- they needed to bridge that gap, and I did speak to people in WWE that I asked what was the, the motivation behind that, and they said, well, we didn't have a co-branded show between the beginning of April and the end of August, and that's a long time. Hmm. And you see it with traffic numbers. You see it with uh, viewership numbers. There's a, a, a lull there. And I think that Money in the Bank, a lot of fans saw that as a big show already because something big happens there mm-hmm. at least twice Mm-hmm. on that show. So I think it made a lot of sense. You bridged that gap, and now you don't have four months without a co-branded show. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, the show this year was a SmackDown-branded show, so they did the men's Money in the Bank match, and they did the women's Money in the Bank match. And there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of hype around the women's one because it was the first one, and they talked about breaking down barriers and all that. So I'm curious if they're now going to turn around next year, and if they do end up doing two men's matches, and they kind of shit on the women by not doing a women's one now. That's a co-branded show. So I guess we'll see what happens. You know, I always liked it. Say for example, if it's the Royal Rumble, and you never knew if the winner, if he's a SmackDown guy, is going to go after that title. If he's a, a Raw guy, is going to go after that title. Why can't they do guys from both brands in the same match so that whoever gets the briefcase, both champions don't know? You know what I'm saying? And they, Why not and do that? Now, I get that they would ideally always go for a world title, but let them cash in on any championship they want. Like, imagine if, say, say a Lars Sullivan, like, pops up and wins that money in the bank, and he just decides he wants to pick on whoever the U.S. champion is and threatens to cash in on him and stuff as a menacing, like, dude, like, you could have that, or you could have a baby face just trolling a heel Intercontinental Champion, saying, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just cash in on you, because what if the Miz is Intercontinental Champion? That would drive him up the wall. That's a great way to get heat and to start a little program there, because that's all Miz cares about, is his wife and that Intercontinental title, yeah. and if he thinks that somebody's going to come and get it anytime they want, but that guy's just kind of really screwing with him just to do it. I think that's a cool little story you can tell. Sub-stories in that briefcase because there are oftentimes, Jimmy, I forget Carmella has that damn briefcase. Does she still have it? She does, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't even think about She's it. never on the show, no. and they think they can do that. Yep. That's what they did with Sheamus a couple years ago, and Triple H said on a media call last week, oh, well, you never know. Somebody could get hurt, and a young guy slides in there. No, you slide a guy like Sheamus in there, mm-hmm. and that's what happens, and they're like, well, he's money. He's won money in the bank, so people will take him as a main eventer. No, because he shouldn't have won money in the bank to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He didn't belong there at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. It's not till June, so there's plenty of time, obviously, for for them to figure things out. Yeah, I, I'm 
I'm liking the idea of uh, a co-branded Money in the Bank. Uh, you know, and if they do the four briefcases, it wouldn't be unlike TNA's Feast or Fired. Not a great match concept. I was once going to write a long-form article about that because I don't know if you know this, Jimmy, but for a while those were like shoot firings. They would do that to shoot fire people. What? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's ridiculous. Your boy, Cody Diener. It's ridiculous. One time was in the plans to be fired through that. Uh, Chavo Guerrero threatened uh, litigation, threatened a lawsuit over it. But uh, I'm sure that Sanjay Dutt has seen his fair share of Feaster Fired matches. And we spoke to him ahead of Bound for Glory, but talked to him about some stuff, including the roster turnover, uh, about American Top Team, which I think has developed into one of the best heel groups in wrestling. Dane Lambert's awesome. Take a listen to uh, myself and Sanjay Dutt. Now, back back to Impact. You all have had a big roster turnover, and you've had some very, like, really interesting names come in. A lot of guys that people in America have previously seen on Lucha Underground and uh, the new the new uh, team of LAX. Like, who are some of your favorite additions to this roster that just came uh, since this regime change? Um. Top of the list, I guess, uh, would for me personally, is, would be Desmond Xavier. Um, I, I think there's uh, so much talent in that uh, in that guy, and he's still so young and hungry. And this is his first shot at a uh, at a television product, and, and and he's he's now learning a different aspect of, of the game, and trying to trying to learn how to balance the the independence and uh, work in a TV style. And I think that uh, he's. He's meshed perfectly. LAX, I think, are uh, amazing. Um, and Johnny Impact goes for, for himself. I mean, he speaks for himself, uh, his track record. I mean, he is a, he's a star. He's a stud. And, uh, you know, this, is, this name wasn't, with this, uh, didn't come, come along with this regime, but Eli Drake, uh, yeah. I think that uh, he's, he's, I mean, he is a bona fide star. And, uh, you know, putting the, ball, putting the ball in his hands, He's uh, done an amazing job. I think uh, there's uh, still uh, a few weeks of TV left from the last tapings where uh, he really starts to come into his own as a performer and uh, as a world champion. So uh, I'm proud of all those guys. One of my primary criticisms about TNA, or it was TNA at the time, was that they, they found a couple of diamonds in EC3 and Eli Drake. And for a few months after they found success with those guys, it seemed like Everybody they hired, they wanted to be exactly like them. They wrestled like them. They they tried to act like them. That isn't the case with the hires now. Like you've got, like I said, Ortiz and Santana, Desmond Xavier, Garza. Uh, I've seen uh, Fantasma, Tejano, Pagano. Like there are tons of just different. Like it's different. Like that's the thing that stands yeah. out to me is just the word different. Correct, and and I think that's uh, basically what we've been trying to trying to accomplish here is different, and. and uh, on top of that, all of those names that you mentioned are all studs that can go in that ring, yeah. and it comes down to that. When you mix those guys in with anyone, you've got a good to great professional wrestling match, and I think that uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish with these guys, and overall for the product is that uh, deliver quality, quality pro wrestling in the ring. Yeah. Do you think King Mo and Stefan Bonner have lucked out that Jeff Jarrett isn't around right now so he can't do the double J, double MMA challenge? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good, though. 
I would love to see him uh, try that one on Stefan Bonner. Uh, I'm very excited to see what it, whatever that guy brings because I thought he was a very, I thought he was a good fighter, good broadcaster, uh, a very good personality. So that that should be very interesting. I've, I've really liked the the angle going on yeah. with Bobby Lashley there. It's a fascinating angle. It, it is, it is, and uh, I, I'm not a uh, MMA aficionado, so. Uh, it was all a learning curve to me in, in figuring out uh, these guys and their accolades and whatnot. Um, I, I, obviously, I knew of all of them, but just trying to figure out what what the what their nuances were. And, and Steph and I had never met, uh, so well, he's an interesting cat. He really is. And, and, and I think um, the stuff that that aired on Thursday. I don't know if you saw the show, but uh, mm-hmm. Stefan and Moose uh, uh, going to the ATT facility and uh, destroying their. Uh, uh, trophy case and whatnot i thought i thought it was really cool stuff it's different it really is all right you guys are back sanjay dead interview that will be up in full on fightful.com this weekend like i said i'm not leaving you guys without any content we have an mma industry podcast tomorrow uh the members only fightful books it tomorrow so go register over at fightful.com and those forums what are you what are you tinkering with your ear for did i come in hot what's the deal a little bit a little bit so tomorrow is Turkey Day in the U.S., right? Yeah. That's a big deal there. You guys take like three and a half weeks off for that, right? Yeah, a lot of people do. So uh, have you ever here's heard how, of the- Here's how they do it. The evening, which is really, this tonight is my Thanksgiving. I get to go see all the people I grew up with. They all come into town, yada, yada. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Then everybody does Thanksgiving. Then they do Black Friday. I'm not dealing with that uh saturday is small business saturday then you got sunday people are out bringing back all the shit that they bought on friday that they don't want <laughs> then on monday it's cyber monday and somehow yeah. people americans take like six days off for it but well, we I'll also take, we take also a solid day i'll take a day oh uh, yeah i'll be watching your time so we'll see they uh <laughs> no we do black friday here as well and we do cyber monday now too it's it's a it's a canadian thing as well have you ever heard i i doubt you have but you never know where is arkansas in relation to kentucky oh uh, it's way south it's way south okay yeah so you probably haven't heard of a place called yellville arkansas i haven't Okay, so I, I happen to see the story on the news. Tommy Lee, you know Tommy Lee the rocker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he sent a letter to the mayor of Yellville, Arkansas, because they do a thing every year. They do a turkey festival in Yellville, Arkansas, right, <laughs> for Thanksgiving. And as I think they do it in October, actually, so they already did it. As part of the annual turkey festival, they do what they call a turkey drop. And what they do is they take like six or seven turkeys, and they put them in a plane, and they go about 500 feet in the air, and then they drop them, right? It's brilliant. Yeah, they call it a turkey drop. And I think it was last year, because turkeys don't fly, right? They can, like, use their wings to kind of help them glide to the ground, but they don't fly. Last year, yeah. two of them died by hitting the ground hard. They died on impact. Oh, that okay, that's not cool. I thought they meant, like, frozen no. turkeys or something. Live turkeys. That's stupid. That's yeah. dumb. Wow. Live turkeys, and they call it the annual turkey drop. So Tommy Lee sent a letter to the mayor basically telling him to cool it, and yeah. it's, it's time for that to go. And the mayor hadn't yet responded, but I saw it on the news yesterday. And uh, so thinking about American Thanksgiving just made me think about the turkey drop in. Good for him. I, Yellville, I Arkansas. Just looked, I just looked up the time. It's like 10 hours to Yellville, Arkansas. Okay. But Arkansas isn't as far south from Kentucky as I thought. It's more southwest. And really, there's if you were to drive from the tip of Arkansas to the tip of Kentucky, that's probably about an hour. Oh, you're really close then. Yeah, pretty close. But I'm up. 
I'm well, with the right trajectory, I can piss into Ohio. Up here. Like, <laughs> That's on a good brisk to know. night, I'm making it across that river. So let me ask you this, Sean. Going back to pro wrestling for a minute, since this is a wrestling podcast. <laughs> so uh, pro wrestling podcast. Yeah, well, not right now. So when when New Japan announced that Chris Jericho is going to do the Wrestle Kingdom show in January. I did expect that we were going to hear that, oh, demand on North American pay-per-view is higher than normal, right? Whatever. I expected that. What I did not expect to hear was that the tickets for the show live at the Tokyo Dome in, uh, in Tokyo, uh, tickets are selling at the fastest pace in 20 years, and a lot of the sales are coming from overseas. Do you think that's the Jericho effect, or do you think it's because New Japan's a hotter brand now and the Ring of Honor connection and both? Uh, both. Both because they sell great. They sold out their Long Beach shows, and they're going to go back to Long Beach, but they're going to go to a bigger venue from what I, under, what I understand. Jericho helps. I mean, it it the demand of a podcast, a breaking news podcast after that was pretty high. Like, I hadn't had people asking for that. I didn't have people asking that about the Switchblade reveal. You probably don't even know what that is, do you? No. Exactly. No. But you know Jericho is going to wrestle there on January 4th. We're doing a live podcast at about 4 p.m. Eastern that Thursday, yeah. the day that it's happening. I've got um, I got somebody coming in to do the show with me, so we're going to have a full recap of that. Like, there's demand there for it. Like, people were asking me now. All of a sudden, people are like, "You doing a Ring of Honor Final Battle show? You doing a Wrestle Kingdom show?" So I see it too. I see more people talking about it. But going to a show in Japan, that's commitment, Sean. It's one thing oh, to order, yeah, it it's one thing to order the pay per view, right? Going to Tokyo, me, you could send me over there. Actually, don't. Actually, I probably shouldn't tell you that I don't really want to because then you'll make it an assignment. Like, well, we're sending it to Japan, Sean. Oh, I'm I know very, you can't read Japanese. I can tell you very confidently, I'm not going to do that. I think I think you would. <laughs> I can I, say I, I can say it with full confidence. I don't think there's a limit to, to your trolling to put me in a place that I know nothing about. You almost sarcastically bought me the House of Horrors, Jimmy. Oh, I totally would have done that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually would. I absolutely would have done that. What was it, like thirty-eight grand for that house? I absolutely would have done that, for sure. Hell, I'll still do it. It's still for sale. I I'd still know. do it. Oh, you have to look that up. So, last thing on my list today. They have Google Fiber there. I might do it. There you go. You have to. You have to. You have to. You have to move in as is, though. No renos. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing on my list today, um, I want to talk about James Storm. And um, this could go two ways, Sean. We could either defend Anthem for this or we could shit on Anthem for this. Okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in perspective for you and then you can kind of give me your opinion. So we know that James Storm wrapped things up with the company at the tapings in Ottawa a couple weeks ago. Uh, his contract, I believe, uh, expired, was not renewed. Dave Meltzer reported that his impact contract was worth somewhere in the neighborhood of 150000 to 200000 a year. Uh, and Meltzer, when he wrote the story, he said, you know, that's the kind of money Anthem can no longer afford, even though it's not high dollar for pro wrestling necessarily. Uh, it's more than Anthem can afford. And it was kind of written in such a way to, to get the point across that Anthem is that hard up financially that they can't afford that kind of a contract. But when you think about the fact that they lately are taping... TV for a week to last them like three months, right? If you think about it like that, that means that they only have to do tapings four or five times a year. 
And that means that that contract would pay James Storm upwards of 50 grand a week. Yeah. And if you think about it in those terms, I don't blame Anthem for not wanting to redo that contract. What do you think? Yeah, and I think it'll be the same situation with EC3, although I think they'll, they'll want to keep him, but he's getting paid quite a bit from what I, what I understand, too. We should film, like, six of our shows in one week and just guess what the headlines are going to be. <laughs> there'd, there'd be a lot of stupid people news that week. Yeah, there sure There'd be a be. lot. And I'd be talking I'd, about something like three, three, four months down the road, like WrestleMania. You see those terrible camera zooms at WWE? Yeah, yeah we yeah. would go with real safe stuff. Yeah, like, we would. We would. We'd be like, man, Braun Michael Stroman, Cole with the nicknames. Yeah, Braun Strowman tore something up again. Yeah, but then what if he got injured? Ah, oh, shit, man. Yeah, then we'd look like monkeys, right? Yeah, we would. We so would. you don't want to do that, Sean. And then they're going to accuse you of being racist again. Oh my god! <laughs> my god! That's it for my you, list, man. Is that, is that all you got? That's all I got. Last weekend, I was at a, a children's playground. I was uh, climbing ladders. I was going down slides for my three-year-old kid. You were sick. Was, uh, you still sound like you're getting over the sickness. A little bit, but I I fought through it because I, you know, I'm I'm not a pussy, Sean. <laughs> so hey, who's here at work right now? Well, you were telling me the other day about, oh, hey, I I, I got a bug and I'm gonna go to the doctor and blah 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 blah. And I actually said to Sean, I was Sean, Sean, tough for that, tough for that. What's the blah 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 blah? Because it ended there. Hey, uh, I'm sick. I'm going to the doctor. I'll be at work right after. No, that's not what you said. That's not yeah. what you said. You said, I'm I, going I know to the that doctor. I didn't stumble onto the podcast today and go, oh, God, Nigel, I'm so, t- I'm so tired. I almost didn't do it. I almost didn't do it. <laughs> I said that last week. I said, I said that, that last like week. Four different times you've said that. Hey. I almost, I almost didn't do it. Okay, you got to understand. Imagine if your six cats, okay? Imagine if your six cats were sick. Climb ladders and shit for their birthday? That'd be no, awesome. No, that was this weekend. Imagine if your six cats were sick and you spent three nights in a row with your six cats all laying across you and coughing every ten minutes and keeping you up. That's what I dealt with with my daughter last week, man. Three well, nights well, in a row. Let me explain something to you. I know how to parent, so my cats know to not do that. You know They're how to parent? Sick. They GTFO. <laughs> they just they buzz off. Really? Not my fault that your little Canuck kids can't understand the concept of sanitation and keeping people clean. Okay, with all due respect to your six cats, all right, they did dead bugs on the floor and they shit in a box, all right? With all due respect to them. It's a big difference. Yeah, but they cover up the shit when they're done. <laughs> Does your baby do that? Uh, she knows enough to go where the where the shit's supposed to go, Sean. <laughs> so your your kid so. uses a litter box. <laughs> that actually wouldn't be a bad deal if she did. That wouldn't be a bad deal if she did. Oh, how do we end up here? How do we end up I, here? I don't know how it started. I throw, I throw up a few times one night, and all of a sudden I'm talking about kids using litter boxes. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I can tell you what's not shitty. It's that Black Friday sale over at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Fightful. we got to get some new shirt designs up there. We'll get we one done, we'll, and don't forget that you can. Sean's going to put up a contest, and you can yeah, win yeah. this signed Ric Flair made out to John. <laughs> you can win this action figure right here. So that'll be awesome. Ric Flair's stock has not been this hot in nine years. Exactly, and that is a legit signature. That is really signed by Ric Flair right there. So there you go. Savior Rodriguez says Nike needs to sponsor SRS and Fightful. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I wish. But if you want to sponsor Fightful or the Listen Your Boy podcast, and you want me to read your ad in Braun Strowman's voice, 
hit me up, Sean at Fightful.com. You can follow Jimmy at JimmyVan74. You can follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. You can follow us at Fightful Online. We have content all throughout Thanksgiving week. We're not resting. Hey, that, that's that's the benefit of having some Canucks on the roster, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For us, Thanksgiving is a half-a-day event. You know, for you guys, it's three weeks. So Well, I'll see you in December, Jimmy. <laughs> Until next time, we're out. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.